Today I'm excited to go into our last part of our series of Acts. Have you enjoyed this series, by the way? Good. We're going to be talking about Acts Speaks. So as you turn in your Bible to our principal text this morning, Acts chapter 22, we're going to be reading verse one and two, or verses 1 and then going down to verse 15 and 16. But I've got a few verses in between now and there. You can also go to our Bible app, go to click on your menu, click on events, and then you can find Christ's legacy if you have your location services set up. Click on Christ's legacy. You can follow along with the message as we go. I'm so excited about this because this is a this was so powerful as I began to study. I've I learned some things as I studied God's word this week in preparation for this message and it moved me so much and I can't wait to share it with you. But as many of you know, uh, I, I, um, I started out at Christ's Legacy, but while I was at Christ's Legacy, I went into the military and the reserves, and, and I had all sorts of training in the military. One of the wonderful opportunities that I had uh, going into the military is participating in some training at the Army War College. I had uh, moral and ethical training uh, and, uh, and strategic training at the Army War College, and um, it was fantastic. It was wonderful, but, but I had a little incident up there. I, I'm going to, I, I got to admit to, I got to come clean on this incident I had. You know, anytime you have an incident with the military, it's bad, <laughs> y'all. Because the way that everything's set up is kind of crazy out there. It's in Pennsylvania, and so I'm, I'm driving down the street, and I had the wonderful opportunity to, to drive around my unit ministry team, which consisted of, uh, of uh, at that time, a major. Uh, uh, that was my chaplain supervisor. I had my division uh, supervisor with me, uh, lieutenant colonel. I had several others in the vehicle with me as we toured around the facility. We went to Gettysburg. We went to all the different places. Uh, and, and most of it was spent there at the War College. And so as I'm driving my crew, my team, back onto post from a lunch, I'm just kind of driving around, looking around. Everything's nice. Everything's going well. Oh, there it is on the left. So I make a left-hand turn into the post. And I thought everything was going great until some metal barricades rose up right in front of me. Well, what's this? I better not go. I'm, I'm in a rental, you know? Metal barricades right in front of me. I said, well, you know, some, somebody did something wrong somewhere. Oh, boy. So I, I pulled to a stop right at the barricades, and I'm just kind of waiting for them to, to drop them. Maybe this is a new security protocol I'm not aware of, and, and uh, nothing happens. And so I, I thought, well, you know, maybe I've, maybe I've gone the wrong way down a one-way street. And this is the Army's polite way of asking me to turn around. So I, I put it in reverse, and I, I, I turn around, and, and I start to back up, and all of a sudden, right behind me, comes in right behind me, right hot. I've got military police, lights going, four guys jump out of the car. They've got their weapons at a ready stance, and they're running towards me. I, anytime that happens, I'm like trying to look where, where somebody else is running at me. I'm like, I, I got to get out the way. I'm a... I'm a chaplain. I don't got a gun. <laughs> but they, they're running towards me. And immediately there's a knock on my window. They're, the weapons are, are, are ready to go. And I just kind of put my hand on my steering wheel. You know, I don't know what to do. 
I, I, I rolled down my window and I, I don't know what to say. I said, what seems to be the problem, officer? <laughs> now, if you know, if you know, and you've ever been stopped by, by civilian police, this is not the same thing, okay? Because the civilian police, they, they take a, a different oath. They, they take an oath to serve and protect. Military police, they take a different oath. They, they take an oath to, to kill and blow things up, okay? <laughs> different, different types of jobs here. So they're, they're not as polite as civilian police. They've instructed me to get out of the car. I get out of the car. They search us. They, we open cars. We open hoods. We open the trunk. They're searching for bombs. They're asking me to get my cat card out. I, actually, I hadn't got out the car yet. I, I got my military ID out, but as I'm getting it out, I'm reaching for my wallet, and I was so nervous, I accidentally revved the engine. Bad move, John. <laughs> that made him a little nervous. <laughs> after our story checked out, after we were interviewed, after everything checks out, all of a sudden the smiles come on the faces. They treat us so kindly. They tell me I don't, I don't get a warning. It turns out I, I missed a security checkpoint. I thought there was one down the street, but it, there wasn't. I was supposed to go a different direction. I didn't even get a warning, I didn't get a ticket, I didn't get anything, there's nothing on my record about it. But I learned a lesson. <laughs> Watch for those signs. Even if you're supposed to be somewhere, even, even if you're allowed to go in a place, if you try to do it the wrong way or if you go the wrong direction and, and people think that you're not supposed to be there, you're gonna get in trouble. <laughs> and that's what I did, I got in trouble. But see, that's kind of the same situation that we find in Acts chapter 2. Paul is standing in front of a group of religious leaders and, and very religious people. And they're charging him with bringing Gentiles to a place in the temple that they're not supposed to be. And they're mad about it. They're angry. They're so frustrated with Paul. And they're ready, as a matter of fact, to kill him at this moment. You see, Paul was called to be a missionary to the Gentile world. Jesus had, uh, had already died. He had risen, he ascended into heaven. And he had called Paul on the road to Damascus and said, you're going to be my witness everywhere you go of what I have told you. And so Paul began to minister to Jews and they, they wouldn't receive his ministry. They wouldn't receive a, a new word that Gentiles were included in the salvation of mankind. And so, so, so God called him to go out further than Jerusalem, further than Israel, into other surrounding nations to, to bring a message of the gospel to everyone that, that he could, that, that Jesus lived a perfect life and died our death and was resurrected so that you and I could have a chance, an opportunity to be right with God if we simply believe in him and repent of our sins. And that's the message of the gospel. And as it turns out, people, thousands and thousands of people we're believing that message. 
You see, that's always been God's plan to bring a message of hope and message of salvation and message of eternal life to everyone. It wasn't a message to the Jews. It was a message to everyone through the Jews. And I can show you through scripture. As a matter of fact, through Abraham, the founder of of Israel, the father of Israel. Genesis chapter 18, verse 17 to 18, God says, should I hide my plan from Abraham, the Lord asked? For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. Again, I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of, your, of their enemies. And through your descendants, all nations of the earth will be blessed all because you have obeyed me. That's Abraham. That's as early as it gets. But then his son, Isaac, I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars on the sky, and I will give them these lands. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed over and over again. Jacob, may God pass to you to you and your descendants, the blessings he promised to Abraham. Remember, the the blessings is your nation is going to bless every nation. May you own this land where you are now living as a foreigner, for God gave this land to Abraham. Then to David, we find in Psalm chapter 67, verse 1 and 2, really it's the whole chapter of 67, may God be merciful and bless us, May his face smile with favor on us. May your ways be known throughout the earth, your saving power, your saving power, your saving power among people everywhere. Over and over again. Isaiah, he says, God says, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the who? And you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. And then we find Jesus. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All nations. This has been God's plan from the very beginning. From the very word go, God had a plan to bring salvation, to bring hope, to make people of all nations, of all colors, of all races, of all ethnicities, of all languages, right to him. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, whether you're young or old, whether you're really smart or not really smart. God has come to make you right with him because everybody's got a problem. Everybody's, everybody wrestles with sin and God's plan was to wipe out sin once and for all through the death and the resurrection of his son, Jesus. And that's the very message that Paul came to bring throughout the world. We find our principal text, Acts chapter two or 22, verse one. Brothers and esteemed fathers, Paul said, listen to me as I offer my defense. Paul is standing at the very edge of the stairs next to the royal portico as he is getting ready to be taken by the Romans into prison. 
And there's thousands of people in front of Paul and he calms the crowd and he begins to speak in Aramaic and, every, and the hush falls over the crowd. This is an angry mob and they're trying to take him away for bringing people into the temple that they're not supposed to, in a place where he's not supposed to bring them. And he says, hey, hold on, let me defend myself here. And he shares this amazing testimony of the road to Damascus. He says, don't you guys remember? I was the guy that killed all the Christians, the followers of the way. I was the guy that you laid your, your coats at my feet while you were stoning your witness, Stephen. I was the guy that was zealous for God and following his law. I was the guy that was edu educated by the top educator in Israel of the law. I was the guy that was among you a leader. It was me, don't you remember me? And now a few years later, I wanna tell you that I had a, a run-in on the road to Damascus with Jesus. He continues his testimony and how Jesus had, had held him, that had, had, there was a blinding light that he lost his vision, that he heard a voice. Everybody that was with him saw the light and heard sound, but only he heard Jesus's voice. And Jesus instructed him that he was to, to go on and, 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 and be a witness. And now he, he offers his defense and he gets to a point where he, tell, where he tells the crowd what Ananias had spoken to him, the person he was supposed to see to receive his sight. It's a, he says, this is what Ananias said, for you are to be his witness, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. And that was the gospel message that you and I can have our sins washed away by calling upon the name of the Lord. And here Paul is sharing this testimony with everyone. You see, they were so mad, not because Paul was a missionary, not because Paul was preaching a message, but because Paul's message didn't include becoming a Jew following in the way of the law. Paul went into the, to the outer nations in the area and began to preach, but instead of preaching, you must be circumcised, you must follow the law, you must obey this and do this, and you must show up to the temple and worship, and you must follow each one of the 613 laws. Paul said, all you've got to do is repent and trust Jesus with your life. And so they were so angry that Paul was teaching a gospel that they didn't believe in, that he was basically, in their eyes, promoting lawlessness. But you see, in order to understand a little bit more about what Paul was teaching and why, why they were so mad, I think it's important to understand a little bit of, of, uh, of the layout of, the, of Herod's temple. So I want to show you a picture right now, a wide picture of the layout of Herod's temple. And as you can see here, I, I, I want to I turn my back on, on you just a little bit so I can point some stuff out. As you can see here, this large square right there is, is the temple complex. It was built on top of Mount Moriah after it was secured by King David. King David bought the property. It was a threshing floor. 
And then Solomon built a temple and it was destroyed. And then Herod came back and he built this temple, okay? And as you can see, this temple sits right on top of a flat place on top of a mountain. And it was beautiful. It was one of the wonders of the world. Gorgeous place. And it's hard to understand the, the sheer size of it. So let me help you understand the sheer size of it. This large square here is about 38 acres large. The, the portico or the red building that goes in a line right there, this is the royal portico. And that is about three or four football fields long. Now we find that there's a large area that is just very clear, okay? It's very empty, and that was called the Gentile court. As Gentiles, you could go and you could walk in and around this Gentile court. As a matter of fact, whenever it says that Jesus walked in and cleared the temple, it's, a lot of people here know about that story. The Gentile court, that's where all these, these things were set up to, to exchange money. Okay? As, as people would walk in from the royal portico, there, that, there's a couple of things right there that are staircases that lead up from the, the town. You can walk up and right there on the left-hand side, the large area in the middle, that was where the money changers were. And, and they would begin to change money and they, they set up their place, but as, as the Jews set up the place, they would charge an exchange rate that was like 8% on top of the temple taxes in order for an exchange rate to be made so that they could pay their tax. But the problem was that they, their, their little shops and their little, their little exchange tables and all these places were, were getting so sprawled out and so big that it was pressing out the Gentiles. The Gentiles could no longer come in and, and, and find a place to stand around in the temple court, in the Gentile court. And so Jesus started throwing over the tables because the Gentiles couldn't come and they were, they were, they were doing evil practices right there in the, in, in the Gentile court. But as we zoom in, we're gonna find out a, a, something else. Here is the place of worship. That's that, that's that uh, uh, middle area in that larger temple facility. And I wanna point out a few things that are, are gonna help start making sense of this picture, this golden door at the bottom here, this is called the Gate Beautiful. This is a, a, a golden plated door that's about 30 feet high. It's a huge door and people could walk in and as you walked in, you'd find the very first open space is the ladies court. And each one of these four places were different different courts that people could go into, a leper, uh, leper's court where lepers could go in and worship God. There was, a, there, there was a, a, all these different places that people could go and worship. But then there's the Nicanor door right there uh, in the middle separating the sanctuary, which is the real large building. And the sanctuary was 150 feet tall. And as you walked into that sanctuary, it was so beautiful. And the back wall, from the back wall of the sanctuary to the gate beautiful, and from each side of that secluded area, it's nearly four football fields square. It's an amazing and beautiful, mind-boggling uh, 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 area. But I want to show you one small feature. 
As a matter of fact, it's small comparison in comparison to the, to the rest of the facility, but I want to show it to you anyway. Just on either side of this beautiful temple, there's, it looks to you like a little dotted line. That little dotted line that separates the Gentile court from the rest of the temple. That little dotted line is a four and a half foot wall. Actually, I'll do this so it looks like I'm taller. It's a four and a half foot wall. And this four and a half foot wall was the separating barrier between the Gentiles and the Jews. The Jews could walk up to and through that barrier and go into the temple to worship, but the Gentiles had to stop at that door. There was a sign archaeologists have recently uncovered that, uh, discovered that, that read this. No foreigner, and I quote, is allowed to enter within the uh, balustrade, surround, the balustrade surrounding the sanctuary and the court. Whoever is caught will be personally responsible for his ensuing death. <laughs> now this was translated into Greek and early Latin. And it was hanging on each one of these panels on the, on the wall that separated the places of worship. How's that for a warning? It's your fault we're going to kill you <laughs> if you pass this, this dividing wall. You see, the Jews didn't understand. They failed to understand that, that God's plan was always for salvation and hope to everyone, not to be separated out. It was always God's plan to bring everybody into the, court, into the temple court. It was always God's plan for him to be accessible to everyone. But something happened inside of them. Everyone knew that they weren't welcome in this temple. Why? Well, this was a wonder of the world. So many people from so many various different places came to view this site. And even people that were, that were coming into faith in God through Christ, they weren't allowed to, to walk in and worship God because of this dividing wall. Even people as far as Ephesus and as far as Paul would travel. I want to share with you this, this these Ephesians Paul would write to later on. They were familiar with the way the temple works. And up until this past week, I thought I understood this verse, but when I, I see the picture that, that you just saw, you'll understand something even greater. Paul says, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Now listen to this, folks. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. I want to stop right there and say this. Everybody had to go to the temple to worship. But Paul is telling them that the blood of Jesus has brought them into a place of worship without having to travel to the place of worship. Verse 14, for Christ himself has brought peace to us he united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of the law with its commandments 
and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Congregation, right now, I I need you to lean in and focus on what is about to happen because I'm about to show you why this matters to you and I. You see, we enjoy a, a relationship with God. We enjoy worship. We enjoy our time with Jesus. We get to come in here and have a cup of coffee and and grab a donut, and we get to sit in these nice chairs and raise our hands and worship God in our own way. But like, like the religious leaders of the day, we can become comfortable with being able to walk past the boundaries and the barriers that separate God from everybody else. And if we're not careful, even in our own lives, we can set a boundary that says, these people can come in, but not those people. Christ's legacy, God is challenging us right here and now to understand this concept, that God's love does not have any boundaries. There is not any borders. There's not any end to his love. And that you and I can come boldly into the throne room of God and to worship him and to lay prostrate at his, at his feet and to bring our requests to him because we are his people and he is our God. And he wants to be that kind of God for the people in the next neighborhood and in the neighborhood after that. He wants to be God to the people at your work. He wants to be God to the people that have hurt you and has said all kinds of horrible things about you. And he's using you to bring his gospel and his message to them. And so we have a choice to make this morning. Do we set up these barriers in our lives? Do we put up areas in our lives where people can't cross over? Where where we're willing to share our faith and our love for Christ and our testimony, where we're able to speak it to some people, but not others. Because if we think about it, it can be messy. It can be hard. It can be difficult. We have such a nice church, it's a beautiful church. Why would we want to invite that kind of mess in? Well, they don't look like me, they don't sound like me, they don't smell like me. So why would I bring that into this nice place? Congregation. Christ's legacy. Don't set up boundaries and borders where people can't come in. We're to share our testimony. And and a matter of fact, as Paul stood and he shared his testimony, something began to happen. His testimony began to break down their barriers and their walls. You could feel the crowd begin to change and, and play over into his behalf as he talked about how holy and how righteous and how wonderful he was. You could see their hearts to begin to change and they begin to reason with him. But then something happened and I'll share it with you. Acts chapter 22, verse 21 through 23. But the Lord said to me, go for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Verse 22. The crowd listened until Paul said that word. 
Then they all began to shout, away with such a fellow. He isn't fit to live. They yelled, they threw off their coats and tossed handfuls of dust in the air. You know, you gotta be, make me mad to reach down and grab some dirt and start throwing it. <laughs> but for the crowd, it crossed a line. Gentiles? To share a gospel message to the Gentiles and not make them become us? And not require them to, to follow the law? You're out of your mind. There's no way I'm gonna do that. There is no way that I'm gonna make a, a, a salvation available to them when all they've done is hurt me, when all they've done is, is try, to, try to commit war against me, when all they've done is try to come in and change our culture and change the way we do things, when all they've done is belittle me and belittle my God and belittle everything that I'm about. You are out of your mind, Paul. You're not fit to live. Somebody ought to take this guy out. Take him behind the church. That's code. The problem is that Paul violated a very dangerous rule. They thought that Paul took Gentiles across a four and a half foot wall bring salvation and allow them to worship. And it ended up not being even true. But does the thought of bringing somebody that isn't supposed to be here, does that violate us? Does that challenge us in a way? You see, God has given us a story, a testimony that you and I must share with everyone we come in contact with. It's not look at me, it's look at what God has done inside of me. It's what God has done, he has changed me. He has set me free from all sorts of chains, all sorts of prisons. He has delivered me. And he can do the same in your life. I, I think it's amazing that, God, that, that Paul was being real about what God did in his life. He didn't try to put on airs. He didn't try to act perfect, he just said it like it was even though he knew all the scripture. Matter of fact, we know that Paul had the first five books of the Bible memorized. He could quote it all. He didn't quote in his testimony. I think that sometimes we get this idea, this sense that we can't share our testimony because we don't know enough Bible. I think the people of God ought to know the word of God. But I also think that as people of God, God has giving you a testimony to share to your friends and your family and your coworker and the people you meet on the street and the people that you meet in the store and the people that you talk to on a daily basis and the people that you just brush by, just happen to brush by. I don't believe that God has a coincidence in him. I think that it's ordained meetings that you and I have opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to share hope to the hurting, to share compassion with those that are desperate, to share a message of love to a group of people that are unloved and your testimony and it's your story that can begin to break down the break down the dividing wall of hostility between people that God desires to create one people one church 
one people of God that can lift our holy hands and praise his holy name. But you and I, we're the key. We're the ones that he has chosen to use to bring down the wall of hostility, to bring people past that division. I think there's some of us in here this morning that have gotten so comfortable with our relationship with God that what we've, we've forgotten what it was like to stand on the other side of that wall, that four foot wall, and look over and see the happy faces that are smiling back at us. Happy faces that we know behind those faces are our hearts and lives that are changed by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that truly have peace and we wanted it so badly because we knew inside we didn't have peace. We didn't have hope, we didn't have salvation and we wanted it so badly. Meanwhile, we've been changed and regenerated and created new and we're able to cross that wall and that divide and we look back at people and we've forgotten that our whole job is to tell people, there's no more division. Come on with me. There's no more division. You can come on in. You can come on into God's house and be changed and set free. You can come on into God's house and receive joy and peace. You can come on in and be right with God for the first time in your life. Would you stand up with me everywhere? This morning, as I spoke about a division and a dividing wall from the Holy place of worship to the Gentile court. I feel like there might be some people in this place that would say, Pastor John, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't know what it's like. I, I, I can see over that wall as a, as a person that doesn't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I can see over that wall and I can see all the smiling faces. I can tell that people really in this place, in this room, that people really do have joy and have peace of heart and mind. I know that they're going through problems, but for some reason, the problems don't seem to bother them. That's not me. I want that, but it's not me. If you're here this morning, I wanna invite you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and his plan is to bring salvation and hope to you. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been or, or what you did last night. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. There's not one sin that can separate you from the awesome love of God that is through Christ Jesus, our Lord. But I wanna tell you something. You come on his terms, not your own. You believe in him. You're a prince of your sins. And the Bible says that you can have a heart change and a life change and you can walk across that barrier and know him for your, as your Lord and Savior. If you need to know him as your Lord and Savior this morning, would you just simply lift up your hand? I just want to pray a prayer. I'm not going to ask you to step out. I don't want to embarrass you. I just want you to lift your hand and let me know that I'm praying with you this morning. If you're here and you want to commit your heart to the Lord for the first time or the, or the, 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 the next time, if that's you, just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. I'm looking all around. There was one. Thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for these two hands that were raised this morning. I thank you, God, for expression of faith that they have, that they would commit themselves to you, renew their relationship with you, and come across that dividing wall of hostility. Lord Jesus, you died so that a four and a half foot wall could come down. 
but you also died so that the walls, every wall in our hearts and lives would fall down that we may be right with you, O oh Lord. I pray, Lord, that these individuals that have raised their hands to commit their hearts and lives to you, that you would come in in a powerful way and change them. Let them never be the same, but forever changed by your presence in their lives. We love you, Lord. With your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, I simply wanna ask you a question this morning. You're here this morning and you'd say, Pastor John, as you begin to speak, the Holy Spirit was speaking in me. I'm familiar with his voice. I know what it's like to be brought into, to made aware of a problem in my life. Pastor John, I have put dividing walls in my heart and life. I've decided that I wasn't gonna share my testimony with somebody in my life. But the Holy Spirit has bring conviction in me. And I wanna make a commitment to the Lord that I'm gonna share my testimony with somebody else this week. If you are that individual and you've decided that you're gonna share your testimony with somebody that you never thought you could or should. I want you to just simply raise up your hand. This is a private moment. Looking all around, thank you, yes, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, wow. Hands are going up all over the place. I'm looking around, thank you, I see you. Thank you, thank you, wow. Thank you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these hands. I thank you for these individuals, Lord, that have raised their hand, God, in response to this message, Lord. Lord, I, I pray, God, that there would be a challenge in this congregation, that there would be no more division, that there would be no more wall of hostility. Lord, that our church would do whatever it takes in order to make people from our community feel welcome in this place. Lord, so that some might come and find hope and healing and salvation at the name of Jesus. Lord, bring your mercy and compassion in this place. Rekindle, Lord, our desire to serve you by sharing our story, by speaking about your love and your forgiveness and re your redemption. I'll give you the praise and glory. Father, I pray right now, God, that you would anoint us. Anoint each and every word that we say. Let, we, let us speak it into hearts and lives over the week. Lord, and I pray, God, that our church would be a church that witnesses. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Let's go and be a light to our world.